Welcome to Locked On NFL, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We are everywhere, as are all the shows here on the network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. We're just short of the trade deadline, Matt. Seeing a lot of new rumors here on this Tuesday morning. Uh, we're a couple hours out from the deadline happening. We might see some things come through, but the latest trade being the Philadelphia Eagles adding a linebacker. We're going to get into all the trades and some of the rumors that are coming out here last minute before the deadline, uh, but I want to get into this Monday night football game, and I know you're close to the Steelers, and I know you have some thoughts, and potentially, I mean, halfway through that game, I was thinking, come on, are the Steelers not going to turn it on here and beat this Dolphins team who jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, but they did. Steelers over the Miami Dolphins, 27-14. Yeah, and... The Dolphins were the better team for the first 20 minutes or so. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Rudolph looked horrific. I mean, really looked shell-shocked, no accuracy, struggling mightily. The offense, of course, sputtered as a result. Turnovers. Um, And this sounds like a Steeler apologist because he was horrible, trust me. Maybe we should have expected a little of that. You know, you get a, a nasty concussion, and then you haven't played that for a stretch, and then you, you, you're you very rusty. And I hate using shortcut words like that, you know, who they were rusty, blah, blah, blah. But we have noticed around the league, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this too, but it, teams coming out of a bye, it used to be, oh, they're coming off their bye. You know, like, they're going to tear them up. You know, like you saw your your Niners just destroy the Panthers coming out of their bye. Like teams coming out of their bye have not done as well and certainly have not started as fast as I think they used to back in the day. I think that's starting to become a trend in the league. Just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's funny because this year Kyle Shanahan said he hadn't liked the way the 49ers had come off the bye the last two years. So Mm, he actually did as much practice as he could and so he added an extra practice and uh, they actually had the bye before the Monday night game so they had an extra week or they had an extra day of practice so he fit in every practice he could so the guys really only got uh, you know four true days off during that that bye week rather than you know extra days and I think something there's something about that yeah guys come the team's coming out a little bit sluggish a little bit slow out of the bye sometimes even though they might be rested and they might be healthy um, maybe just not, you know, into the groove of the season at that point and just sort of out of it, at least to start a game. And I think we're, we're seeing that uh, pretty often. And uh, it's up to the coaching staff, I guess, to make sure that doesn't happen. But yeah, it, it's definitely happening around the league. And I'm not, a lot of people really want to buy into the post-buy teams and think they're going to come out strong. I think at least 50% of the time, that's not the case. So it's not even worth giving that team an extra bump to me. Yeah, and the Steelers, like you mentioned, not only had a bye, but had an extra day with a Monday night. And it's a long time to be away from the game. It's just something I have my radar up to is teams coming off the bye seem more sluggish than they did five years ago, yeah. ten years ago, whatever. I don't know why, but I think it is a trend. Um, but they did take over, and, and I thought Rudolph played very well in the second half, um, made big throws. We have not seen the Steelers drive the ball down the field at all. And in this game, that was starting to come to fruition. Um, and you got to remember who they're playing to. 
And I'll give the Dolphins credit. I mean, this last three, four games, they've hung around and played pretty decent, to be honest with you. So give them a little bit of credit. They're they're playing hard. But I often use this analogy, too. Like, you see it in basketball a lot. Like, maybe Duke or Kentucky stumbles through the first quarter or even the first half against a team that they're favored by a ton against. And then that underdog team just can't play for 60 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, Right. They're, they're horses, they don't have the depth, they don't have the, their guys can't keep it up for the whole game. And I got a little bit of that for Miami too. On the Mason Rudolph point, yeah, in the first half, there was almost, he was almost rolling into pressure at times, not feeling where the pressure was or moving toward it. And off, the throws were off. And I think as bad teams do, on your last point there, Miami finally let, the Steelers into it and finally gave them the confidence they needed. And at that the very end of the first half, that big touchdown to Deontay oh. Thompson uh, or Deontay Johnson, it was, first of all, what was that? What are you, <laughs> do, what are you doing? I mean, that's the story there. <laughs> that was one of the worst uh, defensive calls. And then I, I think you could really see Xavier Howard, like his, his heart wasn't in it. He, he's like, what is, what am I doing right now? And he didn't even follow. He just kind of jogged across the field with the receiver and uh, I, I think maybe Brian Flores saw last Monday night, saw, you know, his mentor, saw Bill Belichick throwing zero blitzes at Sam Darnold and how great that worked. And I think he tried that. So there was only three guys in coverage, but they were way off the ball. And he and Deontay just had it free across the field. And Howard didn't really follow him, just kind of jogged across and, and let him roll into the end zone. Uh, I think Howard, maybe this whole tanking thing is wearing on him a little bit. Yeah, or it was a coverage breakdown, and he thought right. it was cover three, and he just had a deep zone. But, yeah, you're right. And then he went out of the game for a while, and obviously the defense was worse when he was not in there. Um, yeah, I, I thought Booger broke that down well. Like, why would you call this in this instance, you know, when it's third and 20? I mean, just play sticks coverage and, you know, build a wall at the at the, at the, 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 the marker and right. don't let anything behind you. I mean, made no sense to me at all, and – I mean, even a buddy of mine were like, that's exactly what the Dolphins wanted. You know? <laughs> like, I'm not saying they tried to lose, but you make a call like that. It's like, are you begging them to score and then go into halftime and get the ball back again? Like, it's exactly what happened. And my last note, I guess, and it, it kind of refers to who you mentioned there. I think Deontay Johnson is going to be really good. And yeah. I know some people close to the team are really excited about him, have been every step of the way. Him and Juju, I think, will be the pairing. I like Deontay a lot. I like what I've seen from him, and he's fast, mm-hmm. and he's athletic, and he can get open. And uh, you can tell, you can just tell sometimes the rookies where the game's not too big for them, and, and they're ready to go, and he seems like that type of player. Uh, one more note here, the Mika Fitzpatrick revenge game. He had two interceptions <laughs> yeah. in that game, which ties him for his entire time as a Miami Dolphin. And he's made big play after big play since he's been a Steeler. Uh, they love him. They love his personality, much like Saban did in Alabama. Uh, they're very happy with that that situation. And it doesn't look like the Steelers will be picking in the top five, maybe not even the top ten. So you get a top ten type talent a year early, cost-controlled, helping you win now. And, yeah, I'm sure when the first round in April sits there, you know, the Steelers will go, well, I could have had that guy. I could have had that guy with that pick. But Minka's been really, really good. 
Both Juju and Deontay, by the way, making really good catches mm-hmm. around tight coverage. Juju with the one where he went up and just took it away from the defender. And then James Conner, you got to mention him with 145 yards on the ground. The workhorse, 23 carries, had the touchdown, 6.3 average there. And there were times um, after the beginning of that game where there was just so much space for him. And he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And uh, he just had plenty of space to roam there to get past the first level defenders and into the secondary. So uh, Pittsburgh uh, really just able to run away there, starting at the end of that first half with that big Deontay play and then owned the second half. Yeah, and well said about Connor. Um, but it looks like he could miss time. I mean, he was injured there late in the game, and they're lucky that Jalen Samuels will return next week. Uh, one last note, you mentioned how Johnson and especially Juju were making contested catches. That was really encouraging to me because early in the year, Rudolph doesn't release that ball. You know, he's starting to understand guys are not going to be running free like you're in the Big 12, you know, so he's starting to understand what NFL Open is. We do have a lot of trade activity happening, a lot of talk here. I wonder if maybe the thing is petered out and all the trades have been made because Tuesday morning I'm seeing a lot of teams saying so-and-so is not going to be traded. And uh, so I guess we'll have to get into all of that stuff coming up here. And uh, one real quick question, actually, that, that just dawned on me about the Steelers. For those listeners that might be thinking, hmm, I need to pick up Benny Snell maybe on the waiver wire. What are your thoughts on the rookie running back in Snell? Could he potentially carry the load if he was forced to? Um, I have mixed feelings. I mean, he also got dinged up, so keep an eye on that. And my bet is Jalen will be the top guy. Although I don't think Samuels is I think Samuels is closer to Darren Sproles than he is James Conner. He's just a big he's just a big receiving back. He can carry the ball, but he's better in the receiving game. Snell's a total opposite, and that's what I kind of don't like about him is he's him and Connor both rub me a little bit the wrong way because they're better for 1985 than they are now. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Not that they're bad players. It's just yep. a, a style of player that isn't, is a little outdated and that's what they're looking for in their backs, but it makes me a little crazy deep down. All right. Let's get to some NFL trade action as we approach the deadline next. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged. Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with our buddies at MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be gigantic. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Here's the best part. If you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit, and you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use our promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. 
You play, you win, you get paid. One new trade happening yesterday that we had not talked about after we went off the air. That is the Philadelphia Eagles have traded a fourth round draft pick in 2021 to the Cleveland Browns for linebacker Jannard Avery, which is a deal I really like for the Eagles, but not the position I necessarily thought they would be attacking before the deadline. Really interesting player, and I loved him coming out of school. I thought he played really well for the Browns last year. And I don't know this for certain, but the Browns had a defensive coordinator change since then, and he doesn't seem to factor in like he used to. And I look at Avery as a great special teamer, certainly can live on the second level, but is better coming forward than in reverse, fast in a straight line, but he's a good pass rusher. Like, I thought he might be a typical 3-4 outside linebacker type whenever, you know, he came out of came out of college. Yes. And you look at the Eagles, like everyone talks about their corners, like, boy, they're horrible and they're not wrong, but their second level is really bad right now too. And their pass rush is a little lackluster. I wonder if it's like him and, you know, if he puts his hand in the dirt on third and long. I thought the same thing, you know, that rush type linebacker and mm-hmm. maybe a 3-4 backer, a true, uh, you know, the old school Pittsburgh Steelers type of a guy that I yeah. would think that'd be a perfect fit at outside linebacker for those old Steelers teams. But, you know, a hybrid team would definitely like Avery and he'd only played two games so far this year. I think he was deemed up a little bit as well. But four and a half sacks last year. Yeah, I thought he's a good rusher. He's a third down player that you could put on the field and have him come off the edge. But he's also athletic enough to play, you know, a, a true 4-3 sort of a strong side linebacker, can play some special teams. So, yeah, for what they got him for, and it's just odd that the Cleveland Browns team that only has two wins can't find a place for, I think, uh, a pretty good player in Avery, but he's definitely taken over by guys like Mac Wilson and some others there in Cleveland. So, uh, you know, I like that deal, especially for the Eagles, but I guess if, if the Cleveland Browns weren't going to use him to get a fourth rounder, is not bad. Right, right. And, again, he played well as a rookie, I think mentioning Mac Wilson was great by you there because I do think they're looking for more play in space, play in reverse, drop into zone guys than what Avery brings. He is kind of a unique guy. And the fact that they got a fourth for him, this is not just a nothing throwaway deal. I mean, like when someone goes for a sixth, that to me is like the new NFL currency of, hey, we were probably going to cut you but we got a six for you because this team wants to make sure you don't hit the open market where Avery, a fourth round pick from the Eagles is a substantial return. I mean, he's a valuable guy. (laughs) I just saw this coming down. I was looking for some more last minute trades. Uh, Bears kicker, Eddie Pinero would have preferred the ball spotted in the middle of the field for a last second field goal. But Matt Nagy called for a kneel down on the left hash mark. So that's what's going on. In Chicago land, if you if you're worried about your team and you don't like what things are going on, you've got that kicker problem again rearing its head with the Chicago Bears. And I got to imagine sports talk radio in the Chicago area is kind of maddening right now. Oh, I can only imagine, and especially the trade deadline today. Are we getting Dalton? Are we getting Foles? You know, but the kicker situation that made me crazy that they wouldn't at least give David Montgomery a carry and try to get three yards closer or something, right? Instead, just kneel on it. That made no sense at all to me. First of all, this kicker, even if he's Morton Anderson, Jan Stenerud, Vinatieri, been doing it forever, Hall of Fame caliber dude, don't come out and say that. I mean, and let alone if you're already in the hot seat. Yeah. Some listening might be like, well, what the heck's the difference? Who cares? 
Well, they they do care. I mean, if that's what you do for a living, you care. But Nagy should know that, though. You know, like, where does my kicker want this? If I'm going to kneel, why not roll to the right or left and make him more comfortable? I mean, that's bad communication. The special teams coach should be involved in that. I right. mean, that's... The coach that's is there next to you on the sideline. Ask that special teams coach, hey, what, which, you know, which hash? But he should definitely right. know that. Do I have a headset on? I think the big rumor that I'm seeing right now is the New York Jets already potentially willing to move on from Le'Veon Bell. This is Manish yeah. Mehta, who's a New York area reporter. He says his sources say the Jets are looking to trade Le'Veon, not just accepting offers, but they might be trying to move him and calling teams before that 4 p.m. deadline. Well, I mean, a lot has happened, obviously, since you know, the the GM gets canned because he liked him and the coach didn't, supposedly. They wanted Tevin Coleman, and Bell's numbers are quite poor. Although, I think you know the fantasy community and people just looking at box scores have been way too hard on Bell. I mean, that might be the worst line in the league, in a, in a league that has eight lines that are just horrific. And when Falk was a quarterback, I don't know how you evaluate a running back with no quarterback and no offensive line. You know what I mean? So he made some yards on his own. I don't think he's a, all of a sudden fell off a cliff and can't play anymore. I've said for three years here in Pittsburgh, I don't think he'll ever be the 2016 version where he was like a league MVP type of guy. And I've been saying for a year or two before the whole Steeler Bell thing went on that I would have traded him when his stock was high because they ran him into the ground here. And then, oh, by the way, he takes a year off last year. But if I'm in the market for a back, if I'm the Lions, the Bucks, whomever, that's not so terrible to me. And I know he has a big contract, but the Jets ate that signing bonus. You know, I mean, you don't, you're just paying them, you know, week to week. And after that, uh, I don't know what you get for him, a third, maybe. It's tough because there's that contract that goes along with it. And I don't know how many teams at this point would be able to take that on and good teams would be the ones that would try to add somebody like that and they probably have a lot more salary tied up in most situations uh and it's interesting because this is that move in the offseason where it was a different gm and supposedly gase didn't even want or didn't think he was worth yeah. spending on and so that's obviously rearing its head now if that's really the case and he hasn't been um like you mentioned, it's not that he's not talented still. He still has that vision, and he actually looked light on his feet after having some time off earlier this year when I was really watching him closely, but the line's not great and the team's not great around him, and you know you can't lean on your running back when you're down in every football game. But uh, that's an interesting one, and he could obviously help some teams. So uh, speaking of the New York Jets, actually, we've got Robbie Anderson rumors that continue to swirl, potentially the Jacksonville Jaguars are in on Robbie Anderson. He's definitely that guy that if you're looking for a wide receiver with speed would probably be your best option available out there at the deadline. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk in the last week or so that he's almost certain to go, and I hope I say that and all of a sudden the trade deadline comes and goes and he's still there. Um, real, real quick, back to Bell. I just want to throw out one thing. Yeah. Like When we were talking about it so much around here, you know, where could he go? The one thing I always said was, I could see Bell going to a team with a very young quarterback and being that quarterback's best friend. You know, I mentioned like Buffalo and the Jets fit that mold too. And why I bring that up is 
if Darnold is playing behind that line without Le'Veon Bell, without Robbie Anderson, he's not going to look good this year, folks. You know, like, <laughs> you got to give this guy mm-hmm. something to succeed with. Not only is he, quote, seeing ghosts and been under immense amount of pressure the last two weeks, but now you're going to take away his best assets? Yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, we've got more trade action to talk about next. Okay, one of the big names that, there's a couple of big names, and it sounds as if the Bengals are not likely to make any big moves. A.J. Green, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think one of the most obvious teams to make some moves, especially for some expiring players and move on from some guys, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Do you agree with the Bengals' stance to just sit and, and play this one out? Well, I, I got some good information from a couple sources on this, and I heard it on uh, some stuff on a podcast too, and I forget who said it. But basically, in a nutshell, the people are telling me that the be- I'm done even calling the Bengals because they <laughs> want $150 for 100 bucks. You know what I mean? Right. Like they they grossly inflate the value of their guys. They're not just dumping dudes. They're impossible to deal with. They're very set in their ways. And none of that came as a shock to me whatsoever. Wow, that's very interesting. And that would make sense, (laughs) you know, seeing how the activity has gone in Cincinnati, that that would be the case. Uh, Speaking of asking for a lot for a player that's currently not even playing for your football team, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reporting that he continues to hear the Redskins want a one for Trent Williams and that the Browns aren't willing to give up that much. Uh, Cleveland in the range of multiple mid-rounders potentially would be willing to do a move, and that doesn't seem to be changing before the deadline either. Hmm. That's the first I heard that. Jeremy's really dialed in. I know him well. He actually had the uh, the dorm room next to me in Latrobe the last couple of years, so he's moved on and doing more national stuff now. Actually, he's taken over some of the Sando role, actually, so huh. uh, good stuff for Jeremy. But, I mean, I don't know what to take of that because – in a nutshell, isn't Williams worth your first? But are the Browns going, this is not going so well. That might be a top five pick. You know, we're not so confident in ourselves anymore. I feel like Kitchens might not make it out of the year. I mean, does that sound crazy to you? But, I mean, you know no. this organization. I'm sure the GM who just acquires talent like it's fantasy football is not happy with them, and he carries the most weight. So they needed a left tackle bad. Williams to the Browns makes all the sense in the world. But these two organizations, I don't want to say they're Bengal-like, but they might not be the two most reasonable organizations to deal with either. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's a great point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and the Kitchens thing is he's gone from one of the hot coaches and you know all the hype that was with the Cleveland Browns coming into the year, and I was very unimpressed with, I mean, I thought the the Cleveland Browns got completely outcoached versus the 49ers, and I think that's been a theme this year, and I would not be surprised. And I think I've seen enough that if I was in charge there, I might move on from Kitchens in a one-and-done sort of situation here, which is unfortunate because sometimes, and we talked about this with the Broncos and Vic Fangio, you know, one year is not really enough to get your program going for a team. And but just the game day stuff, I, I have not been impressed yeah. at all from what I've seen from Kitchens and Cleveland. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they decided to move on there. And there's enough talent. I think they could get a pretty good coach in there if they did go that route and, and opened it up because, you know, they sort of 
they just promoted with, with, from within there. Maybe they could cast a bigger net and get more of a, a coach that has more experience as a, as a head coach in Cleveland. Maybe that's what they need with some of those personalities. Yeah, I, I agree. And he, it is not, he has not passed the eyeball test on game day at all. It was just a little over a year ago that he was a running back coach. You know, I mean, that's a monumental leap to be the man in the organization. And if you are going to make that leap, you know, it's based on the fact that look at all, look at what I got out of Baker. Well, Baker looks like the worst quarterback in the league almost now, you know, I mean, so you're not (laughs) even bringing to the table as a coach, the thing that you could assure everybody you did well. One more note here on the Chicago Bears from Adam Schefter. He had talked on a Chicago area radio show about how he thought it wasn't uh, uh, an an exact deal that he thought was going to happen, but he thought it was something that would make sense that could happen between the 49ers and the Bears. Talking Hmm. about their quarterback situation, uh, he thought that C.J. Beathard, the 49ers' third-string quarterback, could go to Chicago for potentially a, a wide receiver that has played under Shanahan before in Taylor Gabriel. I don't know if that makes sense to me because the 49ers have already added their wide receiver in Emmanuel Sanders and they have a lot of bodies there and a lot of young players they need to develop. And I don't think that Taylor Gabriel would be enough of an upgrade over any of those guys to to put them on the bench. And But he did say that C.J. Beathard was getting some, some action around the league and, and teams were interested in trading for C.J. Beathard. And my question would be, I mean... If you're the Bears, you're trying to get somebody that could turn your season around right now, not trade for a guy who's currently the third-string quarterback for a team who's young and could potentially be something. But if you're trying to plug a guy in at Week 8, C.J. Beathard's not going to lead you into the playoffs. I wouldn't think that a a team like the Bears would have that mindset in making that trade, even though Schefter did report, and he used the word bear. He said, it bears watching when it comes to C.J. Beathard, which I thought, oh, maybe that's a sneaky way of him saying that the Bears are one of the teams calling about Beathard. But uh, that one didn't really pass the smell test to me, even though I'm definitely not going to question Adam Schefter. Yeah, I mean, Adam's obviously dialed in. But um, first of all, I wouldn't do it for Gabriel, especially after Emmanuel Sanders. Quarterbacks are too valuable, and I can do better somewhere else, I bet. Um, I've been hearing Beathard's name a lot is a potential guy that could move. And for the Bears, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, yeah, sure, Dalton or somebody like that would make more sense. But he kind of splits the difference in that if Mitch still gets better, he could be the guy. He's a safe quarterback. He's young. He's cheap. He's not a cap issue. If he ends up being your number two for years to come, that's still okay, especially if it only costs you something like you know Adam was saying. It will, so doesn't preclude you from using an early pick on a quarterback. So I'm, I guess I'm looking at a glass half full is he kind of split the difference and diversify a little bit, and it doesn't cost you that much. And in the meantime, maybe he can at least manage games and get Allen Robinson the ball when he's open and hand it to Montgomery and your defense keeps you in things. But even the more I think about it, even if you would add Foles or Dalton, I don't think you're going to the playoffs in that division and that conference. And one more note here before we go on the Bears quarterback situation. Apparently the Titans are bringing in some quarterbacks today uh, and potentially could sign one, which has led some people to believe maybe that the Bears would have some interest in Benjamin Albright, saying that uh, he had heard rumors that the Bears did have some interest there in potentially Marcus Mariota, which hmm. is something we had talked about last week when we were projecting some trades, which would be an interesting one. And I think someone that would be 
uh, more likely to help you now this year if you're looking to make that that big push if you're the Bears. Yeah, I mean, it'd be yet another system for Mariota. You only get him to the end of the year. I mean, I don't think you're franchising him, but I guess you could talk extension if it's success, if it's a successful situation. Apparently, you still have hope in Trubisky. Maybe he's your long-term two to Trubisky, although I don't have hope in Trubisky. Um, I guess that makes some sense, but it would be at a minimal cost for me, I mean, considering his contract's up. Yeah, and here, before we go, this last one just coming down here, uh, as we're still a few hours away from the deadline, Tom Pelissero reporting that the Bengals are making a change at quarterback after the bye. Andy Dalton goes to the bench. Rookie Ryan Finley expected to start, but he doesn't mention anything about a potential trade. If you're benching Andy Dalton, you've got to be shopping Andy Dalton, right? I would think, I mean, unless they want three first round picks for him, you know what I mean? Like unless they (laughs) just don't are too hard to deal with Finley. It's time though. I thought he was really good in the preseason. I think he's a game manager type. Let's see eight games or whatever with this guy. So, you know, where you stand in terms of what your offseason needs are a quarterback. Good move. And another one coming down here about the Patriots that have been one of the teams very interested, speaking of the Bengals, in tight end Tyler Eifert, another trade that you and I had talked about that we thought made a ton of sense, but the Bengals might have to relax their price a little bit. That from Jeff Howe on Twitter. That adds up. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. That all comes together, I think, nicely. So uh, be on the lookout there. Tyler Eifert, potentially Andy Dalton, potentially if those Bengals asking prices come down as we get close to the trade deadline. And whatever happens last minute, we will break it all down tomorrow right here. Locked on NFL.